for all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass. This podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. Bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. Bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. <laughs> I don't know why that song has just been like literally on my mind every two seconds during this quarantine season. I wonder for you, what has been like your favorite quarantine jam or jingle? Either something that's been put out on TikTok, Instagram, or just some some oldies. Like, uh, especially if you've been watching versus battles, like you are just being reminded of some of the dope music that's been out there and so yeah music is getting us through because we are in week 117 of quarantine (laughs) and uh been busy and been doing stuff but yet and still i cannot wait to get out of here um but at the same time i am taking this thing day by day and uh figuring out how god is uh growing and working Uh, even in this present season, right? And so, uh, but I do think we're in the middle of like a cultural and artistic renaissance. I think we're going to look back and realize just how much content was created in the span of six months through uh, social media, through people organically creating content, music and and books and and sermons and podcasts and all this kind of stuff. And we would just be like, man, like we, we were bored in the house, but we were also like <laughs> in the middle of an artistic and creative renaissance. With that being said, I hope you're doing well. What's up, fam? Thank you for tuning in. Uh, as always, I want to thank God for life and love. And I want to thank you for listening. May is Mental Health Month, Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're deep in this thing. And here's the crazy part. These sermons were from a, a study and a project and a teaching I did at the church where I served last year. And so I just want that to be an encouragement to any uh, creative or anybody who's listening is that you want to make sure that you are just saying yes to God to design and create what God is asking you to design and create or how God is asking you to be used in that moment, because you never know when that's going to be used. That sometimes when God births it and when it is necessary is going to be two different times and that's okay. You want to say yes and know that even if it doesn't take off or blow up or whatever in that moment, the Lord is going to have it ready and in some fall. So all it has to do is be heated and served at the time when it is needed. Uh, when I was preaching this, it was just because I felt like we needed to have that conversation as a church. I had gone through it and I wanted to introduce it to our congregation and and to do some real work, the kind of work that that I wish someone had done like with me about this subject as I was growing up. And I wanted to provide that. Who would have known (laughs) that the following year we'd be introduced uh, to a pandemic and to sheltering in place and quarantining, which would bring up so many emotional 
health challenges. And so just what a better time than this to have this conversation. And that's why um, just for the next however many episodes, we're just going to labor in these things. I'm going to put out as many episodes and uh, parts of this sermon as I have. Because I think it's that necessary in a time like this. So before we go into this week's word, um, I just want to pause and say, if you have experienced flare ups of your emotional struggles during this time, I want you to know that that's okay. And I want you to know that you're not alone. If your anxiety has been heightened, if you've been extra depressed in this season, if you have been doing other things to self-medicate, you might have slipped into some old habits, whatever that might be. I want to let you know that there is grace for that and there's grace for you. You're not alone. And many of us, all of us are going through the same thing. And that's why this podcast is here. And I'm so glad that you reached out to listen to it. So we're going to jump in. Um, and this episode is one that I'm particularly excited about because the claim that I make in the last episode, which is about um, the four myths of anxiety and debunking them, I then sort of close that episode by saying, here's one thing that I do want you to know is that anxiety is about being dealt with on all three levels, right? That it is something that I experience within the flesh realm or my body, right? Um, and that is where it is uh, necessary for us to understand that there are elements of chemistry, right? There are elements of neuroscience and how the brain works. There's elements of um, just literally my physical body that contribute to anxiety and that there, there should be a physical response to that, right? Then there is an emotional response that is in my soul area that have to do with the experiences that I've had that make me anxious, right? Past trauma, things that I've been taught to be afraid of. Um, and and there are responses that need to happen for that on an emotional level. And on that emotional level, it involves talking to someone. It involves uh, dancing, writing, processing, getting fresh air, being exposed to light and what that does for the emotions, friendship, laughter, music, being involved in consuming information, right? That stuff that helps the soulish level, love, love heals, really good love will be a part of the healing process. And that's on the soul level. But then it's a spiritual thing too, right? And that's where prayer comes in. It's where reading the word and confessing the scriptures over our lives comes in. It's where understanding what God says about our fear and our anxiety. It's about having practices of meditation and rhythms of meditation. And it's all of those three things working together that creates our response to anxiety. So what I'm presenting is a 360 view or a 360 understanding of anxiety that is not just about health and wellness and it's not just about just pray about it and move on. It is how do we understand anxiety on all three levels or as I like to say, on all three realms and how do we address it as such? So this is one of my favorite episodes that you're about to listen to because to me, this was one of the most practical ones. It's not just like, let's talk about it. I really feel like once you listen to this, you'll be able to say, yo, I can actually employ that tonight. Okay, so take a listen to this episode. Let's talk about anxiety on three on all three levels, and then uh, I'll hit you back after you listen. Let's get it. We are in the midst of our series. Again, I'm going to just keep working through this thing the entire year because I want us to be able to come away with a framework of two things. One, how do we walk in 
our own sense of personal wholeness as it relates to anxiety and mental struggles. The enemy is at a rapid rate attacking people in their minds. And the interesting part about this is that it doesn't matter what people have. It doesn't matter what their social status is. It doesn't matter how gifted they are, married and single, employed and unemployed, in a mansion or homeless, on television or unknown. Everyone struggles to some capacity mentally with some part of wrestling with what is to come, the weight of what we have to think through. Everyone wrestles to a degree in their mind. And sometimes what we have a habit of doing is preaching to help people deal with their hearts and getting our emotional, you know, we we come into church and we get a high, but we don't spend enough time addressing how to win the war in our minds. And so I'm going to be working through this the entire year because I don't want us to get into the habit um, of of just getting so excited and coming to church and, and hearing stuff that does not allow us to walk away with freedom in our minds. So as you already know, we are in the midst of the chill out series. And this is part three. Look at somebody around and tell them, chill out. Respond to that person and say, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. In my mind, I'm chilling. I'm learning how to come into a season of mental and emotional wholeness. Why? Because that's what God has for me. John 10 and 10. I'm going to reference this at the beginning of all of these segments because that's our foundational verse. John 10 and 10. And hopefully, if you haven't memorized it by now, I want you to memorize it because this should be and needs to be a mantra for all of our lives. We've got to learn how to say this so that we don't challenge, so that we continue to challenge Am I living in the fullness of what God has promised me? So John 10 and 10 says, the thief cometh not, but for to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Fantastic. And what better way to do that than in our minds through anxiety, right? What better way to steal, kill, and destroy than to plant pressures on the mind that prevent us from living the full lives that God has called us to? So Jesus in his words in John 10 says, this is what you should know the enemy came to do. But he says, I am come that you might what? Have life. Okay. And so we understand that typically, right? This sort of salvific life, this um, idea of salvation as 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 a means to eternal life. That's kind of what we uh, assume already, right? I, I am saved to have right standing with God, and out of that right standing, I will be able to uh, see him one day. But it's a little bit more than that. So it come that you might have life and have life what? More abundantly, right? That you might have life to the fullest. So Jesus says that even though um, what I've come to do is provide salvation, Salvation is not simply or merely about eternal life, but salvation does have concerns with my present life. Salvation has concerns with how I'm living right now, that God is not pleased just for me to check off my heaven box, uh, but still live in hell on earth. It doesn't excite God for me to be like, well, I, I, I know where I'm going to end up, but everything up until then, well, let's just roll the dice. <laughs> I was like, nah, that's not exactly my goal for you. And so it is from that that we learn to expand our conversation, right? It's from that that we learn to think a little bit deeper about am I I living the life and, right? I get that you're going to heaven. That's fantastic. But am I living life and? And that's what this whole mental health thing is about, right? I believe that God wants you to be saved and to not live life controlled by anxiety on your way to heaven. Does that make sense? 
Where we are right now, we're picking up from part two. Part two was about helping us understand the framework. How do we look at this whole thing as Christians about anxiety? How do we look at anxiety as Christians, right? And I unpacked it last in in part two. If you were not here for that, um, they're both up on YouTube, just a, a little note, we are uploading all this stuff that we're capturing uh, for the refreshing on the YouTube. And so parts one and two are up already. And so you'll get a chance to kind of go back in part two. The interesting thing is that we were, we were building sort of a framework for how do we look at this, right? Because anxiety, we talked about the lies or the myths about anxiety. And the last one that we shared was this idea that like anxiety is all in your head, right? The first time you start to tell somebody about anxiety or even bring up that conversation, one of the things you'll hear often is, that's all in your mind. Like you just, you're making that up. It's like, uh, is it? And so we unpack that as Christians, we're able to see it on three different realms, right? Because I am a tripart being, I am a spirit. That's who I am, right? Princeton is not, I am not my body. I'm not what you see. This will go through changes. It will evolve and eventually it will end and go back to the dust from which it came from. I am a spirit. The true nature of me is the invisible me, right? I have a soul, um, but I live in a body. And remember, we said this in, in part two, that the reason why my body is necessary is so that I can interact with you in the earth. It would be kind of weird if Prince in the Spirit was like talking and the, the mic was floating and, you know, <laughs> uh, it sounds like something out of a Disney movie. Uh, but it would be quite creepy for you to live that in real life, right? So my body helps me interact with the earth. The spirit is who I am. That's the part of me that is, is, that is God. The, the part of me that comes from God, right? And my soul stands in between both. That helps me interact, right? It is my mind, my will, and my emotions. And so anxiety is on all three of those levels. Anxiety can be physical, or a different word for that would be physiological. What that means is when I know what level it's on, I know how I'm supposed to handle it, right? I have to attack it on the physical level, There are some people that it's not necessarily that they've gone through anything that's been particularly uh, crazy that that has onset that, but it might be something where there are just chemical imbalances. There's just something happening in the physical brain, right? And so we move through things that are necessary for that, things like diet, exercise, change of environment, sometimes medication and the like, because anxiety exists on the physical level. It also exists on the soul level. That's where my emotions are. This is when anxiety is tied to a particular event, right? We commonly refer to this as PTSD, right? There is some type of event that has now spurred an ongoing fear. And so if it's on the soulish level, on the emotional level, right, then there are ways that we deal with that. Counseling, community, laughter, dancing, things that deal with my emotions, right? And if you missed all this, all this we unpacked a little bit more um, in part two. But then it also exists on the spirit level. And this is kind of the, this, this is the angle that we have that the world doesn't possess, right? You can go anywhere in the world and find kind of answers to the physical part and the soulish part, right? There are a whole lot of people doing that work. The advantage we have is that very few people know how to engage the spirit realm. Because what we know is that there's a whole lot happening that we don't see. And our faith has equipped us through the power of the Holy Spirit to know how to deal with those things, right? And so I attack it on all three levels. Like, yep, I got to watch my diet. Yep, I need to be engaged with what's happening with my physical body. Yes, I also need to be uh, in charge and, and dealing with it on the level of my emotions, where that means talking to somebody, figuring out how I process. But I also need to be involved on the spiritual level. 
I need to have an intense prayer life. I need to understand spiritual warfare. I need to understand how to pray in the spirit. Sometimes the casting out of demons, because the Bible also helps us understand that anxiety is a spirit, an illness, an emotion, and a spirit, right? Body, uh, soul, and in the spirit realm. And so I need all of the above in order to figure out how to do this. And this is important that for us to be effective believers, not just in our own dealings, but we'll talk about this today, in how you help other people through this, you've got to know how to deal with it on all levels. That's where we're starting today in part three. You must address anxiety on all three levels. Somebody say all three levels. All right. So if you're starting with part three, I want you to write that note down. I want to talk about all three levels. And then I'm going to end with one of the most um, inspiring things, provided we have enough time at the end. Um, I want to deal with one of the most inspiring things to help you understand and deal with anxiety going forward. But today we're going to talk about how we must address anxiety on all three levels. I talked about what those three levels are, but I want to explain to you how Jesus dealt with all three levels. Write down Matthew chapter 15. Okay. Uh, and I don't want us all to turn to him because I don't want to uh, take up too much of our time. But Matthew chapter 15, I want us to look at how Jesus dealt with all three levels, okay? Jesus dealt with all three levels. He was never just concerned with one level of the human condition. Jesus said, what we're going to do is we're going to work on all three of these levels and make sure you are good and whole. Why? Because I came that you might have life and what? life more abundantly, okay? So in Matthew chapter 15, you can just write this down. These are examples of how did Jesus meet anxiety or just meet the needs of people on all three levels, okay? The first is this. Matthew chapter 15 says this, then Jesus called his disciples unto him, verse 32, and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Okay. Matthew in Matthew chapter 15 is recording how Jesus feeds the 4,000 in this case. I want you to hear what Jesus says. They've been following me for three days. And likely there were moments where Jesus had paused to preach to them. And he was dealing with them on the spirit level to kind of grow them up in the things of the faith. But hear Jesus say, I will not send them away fasting. What he's literally saying is they have gotten their spiritual needs met. Now let's fry them some fish. Like, like they, they have heard me deal with them on a spiritual level. Now at this point, let's go ahead and feed them. So you might need to assess, right? <laughs> yes, you should pray for the poor. <laughs> Let them hold a 20. Because Jesus is concerned about how do I meet your needs on all the levels. I think it's interesting that Jesus, who came with a spiritual purpose, didn't just stop with his spiritual purpose. He wasn't just like, all right, I appreciate y'all and I figure out the rest. He was like, no, no, no. If you're going to roll with me, your your spirit going to get taken care of. You're going to mess around and be a happier person. And you're going to leave full. And I'm about to make you the best fish you'd have never had in your life. Because Jesus meets needs on all three levels. Say all three levels. In John chapter 4. In that case, Jesus says, I'm going to work on your spiritual level. I've been preaching to you. I've been dealing with you. You've been walking with me and following me. And before you go, I'm not going to send you away hungry. I'm going to make sure you're fed. I'm going to make sure your physical needs are met as well as your spiritual. John chapter 4, you know this, and so I won't spend too much time recapping it. John chapter 4 is the example of the woman at the well. 
What is interesting is that Jesus meets all three levels of these of this woman's needs. I want you to remember how they met. They met at the well. Nothing deep about the well. You just got to get water. <laughs> Nothing deep about it, all right? They met over a conversation of physical need. Because she shows up to the well like she does every single day. And all of a sudden, Jesus is just chilling there. And Jesus says, hey, could I have some too? So they start talking about physical water. Talking about our physical need. The conversation evolves a little bit. And then it ends up getting spiritual. We was talking about Britta. We was talking about Fiji water. Which I know if you're really saved because you know about Fiji water and or Voss water. Voss water is for them that are saved and called. (laughs) Smart water is in there too. Some of y'all new age, this Essentia thing is taking over. That's all right. They were talking about, now what's not of God is Arrowhead. Listen, if you drink Arrowhead, let me pray for you at the end of this. Seriously, I'm going to dedicate 10 a.m. to 10.15 praying for people who still consume Arrowhead, which is not good. That's not spiritual. That didn't come from God. That came from me, okay? They start off with a conversation about regular, just give me a drink, right? And then it gets spiritual. Jesus says, the water I give, you will thirst no more. He starts talking about worship. So saying that they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The conversation then goes to Jesus situating that I am the spiritual answer to what you're looking for. So it started off with their physical need. Let's just talk about water. You thirsty, I'm thirsty. Then he starts to go to the spiritual. What you really thirsty for can't be fixed by water. What you need is me. Because the water I give, you'll never thirst again. Right? So now he starts to deal with her on the spirit level. Let, let's, let's get deep. You want to talk about Jacob's well? Listen, it ain't even about Jacob. It's about me. But what's interesting to me is then he turns a sharp corner. And he says to her, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had five and the one you're with now is not yours. That's not shade. It's not Jesus trying to slut shame this woman for her sexual history. Jesus is not interested in making her feel bad. Jesus is not interested in exposing her. What he's interested in doing is helping her to understand that we started with the physical. We went to the spiritual But if I want you to be sustained in the interaction we've had, I've got to deal with your emotions, too. You see all three levels? It started off as, let's just talk about water. We both thirsty. Then it went to, let's talk about your spirit. And I need you to understand that I am the life you've been looking for. But if I don't deal with your emotions, too, then even though I just had a supernatural encounter with you, you will go back to what has been emotionally sustaining you. And part of the reason why people don't go in God where they need to be is because we help them get saved, but we don't help them get healed from the things that they were dependent on for emotional protection. Jesus said, we just had a really great experience, but that's not going to last if I don't deal with your soul realm. So he said, let's talk about not your sex life, nobody, whatever. Let's talk about how you have found your emotional stability, and your identity in the company of men. And let me help you understand that you don't have to do that to survive. Let me help you understand just by calling it out, 
just by naming the thing you've been depending on emotionally. Let me help you understand that it's deeper than water. Let me help you understand that it is about what you feel like you have to do to cover your heart. And the Bible says she walked away, and watch this. She walked away becoming now an evangelist for Jesus. The Bible says she leaves the well and she runs through the city saying stuff. I mean, just just yelling about this encounter she just had. Here's what's crazy. She didn't say, come see Jesus, the son of God. She didn't say, come see the one who gives the water that will never thirst again. That was a part of the conversation, but that's not what she said. What she said was, come see a man who told me everything I had ever done. What captivated her about Jesus was that he wasn't just God enough to make a spiritual statement about water. He was God enough to go into her life and heal the way she used to self-medicate. And that meant even more to her than salvation. It's a different level when God starts healing your relationships. I appreciate the God who saves me from my sin, but can he save me and my mama too? I appreciate the God who gives me power to preach, but does he deliver me from porn? Does this same God you preach about break addiction? Does this same God you speak about enable me to live a life free of depression? This is what she was most concerned about. This is what was most impressive to her about God. Now, had Jesus only dealt with one of the levels, her deliverance would not have been sustained. I want you to write that down. If we don't deal with all three levels, then this life that has been promised to people won't be sustained. If we don't deal with this on all three levels, then life will not be sustained. It'll be good for a moment. You'll feel okay for a moment. You'll smile for a moment. You'll, and that's kind of what we do in church sometimes, right? But it's not sustained life. After my two and a half hours on Sunday, I need something that's going to help me live whole Monday through Saturday. And so if you don't deal with all three, if you don't deal with my needs on all three levels, I'm going to be positioned to only feel like I can make it on Sunday. And that's not what God said. Okay. I want you to see this because this is Jesus's style of ministry. Jesus, I came for life abundantly and life abundantly means I'm going to hit you on all three levels. Mark chapter two, write this scripture down. First scripture I gave you was Matthew 15, when Jesus is feeding 4,000. Second scripture I gave you was John chapter 4. And don't take my word for it. I want you to go back and read all these and look at Jesus deal with all three levels. Okay? The third scripture I'm going to give you is Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Again, for the sake of time, I won't read and dig into it. I invite you to study this when you go back to your study time. Here's what's interesting to me about Mark chapter 2. The Bible says this. There was a paralyzed man who was not able to get to Jesus. Not only was the man not able to get to Jesus because the man himself was paralyzed, the man was not able to get to Jesus because the house where Jesus was was super crowded. Everybody had packed into this house so much so that even the front entrance was taken up. The Bible says that the paralyzed man had a group of friends. The group of friends decided what we're going to do is we're going to take an alternate route. Hashtag by any means necessary. They said, look, we will, anyway, some, some of y'all go remember this. Um, they had, I think it was George Clinton. They had a George Clinton anointing. They said, tear the roof off the sun. <laughs> that was for five of y'all that are not too saved to remember when you was in there with 
glitter glasses and they said, tear the roof off. And um, they lower him in. The point of it is that when they lower the paralyzed man down before Jesus, Jesus does something interesting. He says, I am going to forgive his sin and heal him. The healing was physical, but Jesus was concerned with what was occurring spiritually for him. Jesus forgave the lame man and he healed him. Because if I forgive you, but don't heal you, you will turn back to life before forgiveness. Would you write that down? If God forgives me, but doesn't heal me, then I'm going to go back to life before the forgiveness. It's so interesting how the two work together. This is why there are people who come down and get saved and then backslide. It's not because they didn't love. It's not because God all of a sudden became like not a good idea anymore. It's because I came to God and got saved. But what I struggle with is that I didn't get any tools on how to be healed after. So I got saved, but but the blunt was the only way I knew how to find some sort of peace still. I got saved, but I, I'm still overspending. I got saved, but I'm still over eating. I got saved, but no one taught me how to find healing so that my life could be sustained. Jesus said, I'm concerned about both. But then if I heal you, but don't forgive you, I have cheated you out of the greater blessing. If I only deal with your physical state, or if I only deal with your emotional state, but don't deal with your spirit, I've done it out of order because I haven't addressed the foundation from which all those other things come from. So Jesus deals with all three levels. Say it one more time, all three levels. Now remember, this is for you and this is for the people who you will work with. Um, eyes closed, eyes closed for a second. Let's do a little, a little study. Eyes closed, eyes closed, eyes closed. Uh, eyes closed, hands up if you have ever, let's have a moment of, of truth and honesty. Um, hands up if you've ever experienced what they might call in social science um, what's called a panic attack. You start breathing heavy. I love this. I appreciate your honesty. Okay, hands down. Hands up if you have ever not been able to sleep due to anxiety. Hands up. Okay, now we're, now we're at about half. No, no, no. That's, that's literally more like 85% of the room. Cool, 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 cool. All right, eyes open. So literally about a third of the room has dealt with a panic attack. Literally about 80% have dealt with not being able to sleep because of anxiety. Let's make it practical. How do you deal with this on all three levels. I remember the first time I was around a panic attack, very close friend of mine. And I was in this phase where everything was spiritual for me. I everything like I, I have always, always, always loved God and loved the Holy Ghost and have always been Pentecostal almost to a fault sometimes. So I remember the first time I was around my close friend who had a panic attack. I went like straight into tongues. Like I went into tongues so hard. Like you ever, you ever heard machine gun tongues? That's like when you roll the R a lot, like to make, <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> it's like, whoa. It's like, and it made it worse. And I thought like, look, this ain't worth, then, then you start praying harder because you're like, the warfare is intensifying. The devil is coming up against this, so let me pray harder. And so that got awkward because it just made it worse. So I realized, okay, maybe that's, maybe that's not the way to handle that. 
And it is, but I'll come back to that. Then the next time I experienced it, it was with somebody close to me as well. So remember, she started experiencing this panic attack. And so I just like, like grabbed her. Like I just grabbed the mess out of her and did one of those like, you know, when you get those like mom hugs and they just believe that if they can stop you from breathing, somehow it will communicate to you that they love you more. Like it's only one of these where, where you're like in their chest and you're like, um, my nose is like stopped up in your armpit and all I can smell is your deodorant and your bath and body works <laughs> and it's not helping me right now. That's what I did. And I was like, you're okay. You're okay. You're going to be all right. <laughs> it's just like also made it worse. So I had to study <laughs> what's going on when that panic attack occurs. One of the ways that we understand what's happening, again, it's on all three levels. What is happening is because of one of two things. One, because of the perceived threat, my body is now in so much fear of what might happen, that it goes into full fight or flight mode. And it sends a signal to the rest of my body, you are in danger. So my body's response is panic. And what that does is now everything starts to respond in panic, right? My breathing starts to get out of control. My body starts to intensify. For some of you, that will manifest in headaches. For some, it will manifest in terms of literally like pains in your chest, et cetera. Or the other thing is, I'm thinking of so much at one time that my brain, because it has no release. Um, anybody ever seen a, a computer, particularly a Macintosh computer? It does this very interesting thing where the harder the hard drive is working, the first thing you hear is that fan start going. That's your first indication that your computer is about to be mad at you. <laughs> when it starts blowing, like, and I can make this joke because I had asthma, so this is no shade to anybody who does. There was a different breath I had having asthma when they made me run that fitness gram back in high school, and you had to run that 10-minute mile. I don't think I ever passed. I think the only reason why I passed PE was because somebody liked me. I really believe that that was the case. It was a different breath. Like, <laughs> when I was running, like, you go from that to that, <laughs> like that, that wheezing. When your computer starts wheezing, it's about to, so it's starting to let you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm processing things at a rate that I wasn't built for, right? Like there's too much you're trying to make me do right now. And then what it does is it just quits and you get that rainbow spinning wheel, particularly on Mac computers. And what it's telling you is, hey, this is too much for me to process at one time. I'll be back. That's what your brain does under the weight of how much you have to process or under the weight of whatever it is that you're afraid of. I'm not going, I'm not going to make this much rent. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make this much rent. And this surprise bill just came up and they, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Whatever that perceived threat is going to replay until your entire body responds. So here's what I've learned. The first thing that we must know is that God designed the body to be able to heal or return to itself. How do I know this? I don't have too much time to get into creation theology. God is interesting because the Bible says that God created everything to grow and or reproduce after its kind. Right? So the Bible says that every organism that God created, God made from the environment that it was going to live in. 
So if it was going to live on the dirt, it was created from dirt. If it was going to live in the water, it was created from the water. Okay, I don't have time to go, but that's in Genesis. Side note, when people make this joke like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I'm like, well, theologically, the chicken came first because God created the chicken with the egg so it could produce. That's either here nor there. God's intention was that I'm going to create something that is self-sustaining. So when God created your body, your body was created so that when it was in pain for the most part, it could heal itself. How do I know this? Bite your tongue super hard right now. No, don't do it. (laughs) It's going to hurt tremendously. Give it about five to six minutes. The senses will return so that you won't even know that that had happened, right? Why? It's the, the body's designed that way. So... The first thing on all three levels, right? In a panic attack, my first job is to allow my body to be in a state where it's calm enough to rectify itself. That's why all that stuff I was doing with my friend wasn't working because I was putting more pressure on both her brain and her body instead of allowing it to be at peace enough to heal itself. I had a cast member, and I was literally going home one day. I was walking off property, and she was sitting in one of the break areas, and I could just tell, and the Holy Spirit was like, go right now. I was like, I kind of have to go, but, and I sat next to her, and she was in the midst of a panic attack. Her breathing was so short, it was scary, and she was about to tear up. And what I've learned to do first is that all she needed was an opportunity to get in control of her breathing. Because part of the struggle with anxiety is control. Like I desperately want to be in control of something and I'm not in control of anything. And so our brain just starts to intense, intensify and intensify and intensify until all that pressure caves in, right? But at all points, it's like, okay, if you want to be in control of something, just breathe. Everybody take a deep breath in, let it out. On all three levels, the first level is physical. Your breathing is what you can control right away. You cannot fix that problem right now. You cannot, whatever it was that triggered it, we'll get to that. But that's not step one. Step one is breathe. I sat with her and I said, hey, look. I said, you okay? She said, no. I said, all right. I sat next to her and I said, all we're going to do for the next five minutes is just going to breathe in and out. It allows my brain to now have something else to focus on that I can control, and that breathing is going to allow my physical body to be at a state of peace so that it can begin to heal itself. Does that make sense so far? Okay. So the next time you encounter one or you're with someone who encounters, don't put more work by trying to solve the problem. Level one first, allow the physical body to get to a state where it can be at peace and heal itself. Next thing, we're still on the physical level. You have to figure out and think about When there is an environmental change that's necessary, okay? Step one, allow the body to be at peace. Breathe. That's really step one. Step two, change the environment. With this particular cast member, um, this particular person I was dealing with, she was already in an outdoor environment, and she was already by herself. So that part had been taken care of. I dealt with another one two weeks ago where the panic attack was caused because there was so much going on in the space where she was, that part of that contributed to the anxiety. She was already dealing with stuff at home. She was already dealing with being a caretaker of somebody who's sick. She's in school at the same time. I mean, just a lot of stuff. 
And then for those of you that are going through stuff, and then you know that to come and work on top of that, it's like, look, I've barely got my house figured out, and now, like, all eight of y'all got questions at the same time, and it descended upon her, and it began to happen as she was working. I saw it, and I said, hey, let's walk, because one of the things that needed to happen was a change of environment for, for her physical self. She had to get out of that space. So the first thing, breathe. Allow your body to be in a state of peace. Second thing, you have to know when a change of environment is necessary, right? Sometimes it doesn't help to stay in the dark. Sometimes it doesn't help to stay inside. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I need to breathe, and I just need to step outside for a minute. Sometimes that change of environment involves getting away from people, Sometimes the reasons why we're so anxious in the first place is because we have not learned the value of time alone. That's for some of us. Some of us fit in that category. Some of us spend too much time alone. Some of us, our idea of strength is isolation. But isolation can lead to insanity. That's the whole process behind solitary confinement is I will leave you alone with your thoughts until your brain caves in on itself. And some of us use solitary confinement as a lifestyle of strength. It's like, nah, fam, that's the path to insanity. So you got to figure out which spectrum you're on and change your environment accordingly. If you spend all your time with people and that panic attack starts, you need to get to a point where you're by yourself. If you are somebody that's never with people, you might want to get where there's a community of people around so that you have space to not just be trapped in your own thoughts. Is this making sense so far? I'm all on level one. Panic attack. I said, hey, let, let's breathe. I sat with her, the first cast member. We just breathe, right? For those of you who are in ministry and you're discipling people, the Lord is going to call you into a season where you realize the value of just sitting with them. Nobody loves to talk more than me. Like, I love, like, I live it. I love it. And God has dealt with me about how much more impactful it is in certain situations that I'm a presence more than a voice. I want you to write that down. Know when to be a presence more than a voice. Parents, spouses, friends and best friends, leaders, bosses, know when your job is to be a presence, not a voice. If the closest person to me just died, please don't come quoting scriptures right now. We're going to get there. I promise we are. Nobody loves, listen, I like to quote scriptures like rap lyrics. Anyway, never mind. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Know the value of presence. The beginning of all of Jesus' miracles involve him being present. The beginning of all of them. Before he said unto them or before he touched them, there was always like a he saw them and or he was with them. I said, we're just going to breathe for a little bit. I'm going to sit with you and and be present. And all we did was breathe. I wasn't trying to get nothing. I wasn't laying hands. Now, I have oil on my keychain. It's one of the coolest things ever. I have a little thing on my keychain that like keeps oil so I never don't have anointing oil on me. I'll be at the gas station like, if you want to (laughs) go. I've always wanted somebody to, like, try to be weird so that I could just be, like, weird back. Like, imagine somebody, like, trying to <laughs> jump up on you. And, no, I've actually heard stories about this where people, like, were about to rob somebody and that person, like, started speaking in tongues and just weirded them out. So they just, like, ran away. It's, like, totally me. Anyway, I didn't break out the oil. I said, we're going to sit and we're going to breathe, right? Change the environment. Are we outside? Now, 
we might figure out, does your body need something? Do you just need to eat? Do you need water? And, and we have to do better about this because we like that one. We like that. I just need to eat. But that don't mean you need to eat everything. You need to know what gives you strength and clarity. So this morning I was at Starbucks. I had an option, right? Three levels. Healthy option, the breakfast sandwich, and then that slice of lemon loaf cake that God's hand is on. And it was like, bro, you need strength, not comfort. (laughs) You need to eat like you got to work, not like you got to sleep. And so as much as that lemon loaf cake felt like what God was speaking to me, it wasn't. That was my flesh. I said, yo, let me get this uh, fruit and protein box. (laughs) Let me get these grapes and these apples. Does your body need something for strength? That's all level one. Are you with me so far? Sometimes after the body is at peace, it just needs to move around. So sometimes like, hey, we're going to breathe. Now let's walk. A, a, a mentee of mine called me in the midst of his panic attack and how he knew to do that, first of all, was, was God. How he even arrived at being able to pick up the phone. And he was in the midst of the park. And he's someone who I love tremendously. He reminds me so much of, of myself. And he struggles because he's always trying to achieve. He's always trying to get to the next thing. And so that weight of like living 10 and 15 and 20 years out, some of you know that pressure because you're leaders, you know that pressure because you're parents, you know that pressure because you're business owners, that pressure about how am I going to make all this happen and this continual, some of us live with the list. We live with the list of who we're not and how much more needs to be done. Okay, I need to work this many hours and make this much money so I can pay this. And eventually I'll be able to do this. I need to do this so I can do that. And that's what it was. And it has, it has surmounted. He had been living in anxiety for the past few months. And in this moment, it had transcended into a panic attack. And um, I said to him, I was on the phone. I said, first of all, we're just going to breathe. I said, I, I, I want you to breathe in so much that I can hear the inhalation and the exhale. And I'm just going to sit with you. And then after that, I said to him this which we'll cover in part six or seven this year when we get to it. Um, I said to him, I said, you're at a park. I said, look at a flower that's near you. I said, describe it to me. And we did that with like five other things that he could observe. The point was his physical self needed an opportunity to be focused on something that was simpler than the list that he lives with every day. Okay. I'm going to get to that, the role that, that God's creation of nature plays in dealing with anxiety, but that's in a later thing. Breathe, change the environment. Do I need to consume something for my physical self? Do I need to get in motion? Once she was at a place, and, and what's crazy is you can see this as it comes to be. Like you can see this as it brings as it brings healing. Like you can literally see someone return to their state of calm. Once she was there, this Catherine who I was sitting with on my way out. Now we can step into the emotional level. Because you're at enough peace to have a conversation. Until your body's at peace, even if we want to have a conversation, you can't because your mind is just in flight. Parents, you've got to know that under certain conditions, the stuff that you say is not going to be received because that child's mind is not in a state to receive. So if they're moving in anxiety and depression and you're trying to tell them about their grades, we have just skipped a step. I'm not even whole enough to have that conversation right now. 
Same thing. When you're a leader and you have employees under you, you better not move into a conversation about discipline or what they're doing until you've allowed them to be at a state of peace where they are whole enough to have that conversation. If you're frustrated with the fact that you can't pay rent and I'm going to yell at you about being late, I've skipped a step. I need to get you at a point of peace first. And then from that point of, 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 of emotional wholeness, now let's have that discussion. Okay. So after we covered the physical and her body and mind were at peace, Jesus deals with all three levels. Now we can move into the emotional realm. So I started asking questions. I want you to write a couple of questions down. Okay. I want you to write a couple of questions down. After we had gotten to this place, I could ask her something important. I said, hey, so when did you start feeling this way? The psychology word that we would use for it is the term trigger. I asked her, what triggered this? When did you start feeling this way or what triggered this? The reason why it's important to know that is because the only way that we can protect ourselves going forward is if we're able to go back and look at what was the source? What triggered it? That question led to a number of other different ones, right? After we were able to assess what triggered it, we could move on into assessing, has this happened before? Now, I'm going to take you all the way back to part one. The reason why it's important for me to ask, has this happened before, is because I need to know what we're dealing with. Is this related to a situation, or is this something that you live repeatedly? Was that idea of knowing whether it was anxiety disorder, like you're anxious all the time, or if it is, this is just attached to a situation that happened and we need to work through that. So I ask, hey, what triggered it? What made you start feeling this way? Two, how often does this happen? Has this happened before? One of the things to ask ourselves, and potentially if you're with someone who's experiencing this, is what am I afraid of? What is the fear that my internal self is responding to. Sometimes the breakup brings one thing, but what causes the anxiety is the fear of loneliness, that this is how this will always be. Sometimes it is the passing of a loved one that brings sadness, but what brings the anxiety is that somebody else in your family's next. So, so I'm up late, not just because I'm sad over what happened. I'm up late because I am afraid that some, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that at any moment I'm going to get another call like the last one. And so part of it is I have to unpack, like, what am I afraid of so that I can speak to the fear? So that I can speak to whatever it is that I'm afraid of. I'm afraid, like, whoa, all this hit me at one time. I literally went into a panic attack. I'm afraid like, okay, when did this start? This started the moment that that particular bill hit my account that I forgot was due this month. Okay, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid that now because of that, the plan that I had to make it through this month is now not going to work and we're going to get put out. Now that I know that's the fear, I can now speak to that in a healthy way. I can be like, hey, I still got a week and a half until whatever bill is next is due. I can pull from this. Maybe I can look back at my budget and some things that I thought needed to be done this week. Maybe I can look at it, right? And I can figure out what to do next. Why? Because I identified the fear. These are all questions on the emotional level. One of the other things is you want to ask outside of the fear, what else am I feeling? 
what else am I feeling, right? We know that, that, that the bulk of anxiety is pretty much fear. There's a, there's a perceived threat and or there's just too much sitting on the brain at one time. But what else am I feeling? Am I also sad? Am I also worried? Am I also under pressure? Is there stuff I haven't been honest about? Is this attached to something else that I should be talking about? Because sometimes it's deeper than I'm afraid about this, right? Sometimes the anxiety might have been tied to the fact that they just said no to this job. And I'm afraid I'm not going to be promoted. But sometimes it's deeper than that. Sometimes it's I'm afraid I'm going to end up just like somebody else in my family. So that spur of fear sends me into. So now it's like, yo, let's let's deal with that. What else am I feeling? Am I upset with somebody? Is there something I'm holding in my heart? Is there something? Here's the fun one. Is there something I should have said a long time ago to someone or in a situation that I've been holding on to? And so now, instead of me walking free, I'm carrying stuff I should have said four or five years ago. So now this is the reason why forgiveness and processing is important, not because it alleviates people from stuff, not because it gives a free pass so people treat you however they want. It's important so that your mind is free so that you're not trying to process your present, future, and your past all at the same time. Some of our anxiety is because there's too much past in our present. Why don't you write that down? Some of our anxiety is because there's too much past in our present. Is this all right for three more minutes? I'll yell and scream at 1030, I promise. So there's a series of questions to ask yourself and or somebody else. Now, remember, the important part about this moment is allowing the body to regain itself. Don't get lost in these questions because you could very well send yourself back in to what you just left, you and or the person you're dealing with. So the question, the, the purpose of those questions is not now let's go into a whole hour and a half dig your heart out session. The purpose is to be able to set identifiers and markers as to what caused it so that we can know how to steer out of it. That's the soul level, the mind, the will, and the emotions. What's going on in my mind? How am I feeling? And what do I want to do? Okay. Then there is the spiritual level. I'm going to now seal what I just opened up. It's like surgery. Breathing was like the anesthesia. I had to deal with your physical to just get you calm enough so we could do some work. The emotional was like me getting into what's really going on under there and hopefully pulling it out, whatever that infection is, whatever that thing is. Let's identify it. Let's pull it out. But if I end there, and Lisa Nichols taught me this. Lisa Nichols is just a phenomenal human being. And I'll never forget when she taught me. She says, I always ask people how much time I have to speak because I cannot open them up and not close them. This was so profound. It, it has even made me rethink how I preach. Those questions, let's, let's get in, let's, let's open up and, and figure out what happened with that and why, right? But I ain't gonna leave you there. The spirit of God allows for closure. The spirit of God allows for that heart that was just opened up to walk away sealed. How am I gonna seal it? I'm gonna seal it with prayer. Can I pray? Now that we've dealt with the issue, now that we've allowed you to get back to your physical self, now let's pray. You weren't in a place to receive this prayer. Now let me seal you. Seal it with prayer. 
Seal it with the word, right? Now that you've processed where you're at, now put the word over that. I have now called out those things that are trying to stand in the way and trying to sit on my brain. Now I'm going to move into now speaking the word over those things, right? Okay, I'm going to breathe. Then I'm going to ask myself, okay, what caused this? I'm freaking out about bills. That's what's going on. I'm afraid that I'm not going to make it this month. And instead of getting that out, I'm internalizing that pressure. Like, okay, now you got to figure something out. Now you got to figure something out. All right. I've opened myself up. That's out. Now I'm going to speak the word. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I ain't got to have it because he has it. Everybody get that three-step process. I'm going to end there. All three levels, life and life more abundantly. The next time you yourself are in a panic attack, the next time someone with you is in a panic attack, the next time you were having issues as it relates to being able to just make it through the day, all of us reach those breaks at work where you could be fine and all of a sudden there's this period where everything settles in at once and it ruins your productivity. You can't type an email. You can't have a good conversation with anybody. It's just horrible. I want you to use these tools so that you can move into life abundantly because Jesus deals with all three levels. Everybody stand. That's all I have time for this morning. Here's what my hope is. My hope is that you leave today feeling like you have tools to move forward. Does anything make a little more sense as a result of this word to anybody? Yeah. I want you to be prepared to move in wholeness, and I want you to be prepared to help the people around you. I have learned this because I've been so bad at it for so long. I finally learned what was going on, and the Lord has taught me how to deal on all three levels, right? You seal it with prayer. You seal it with the word of God. You seal it with worship. And then there might be a time where the Lord's going to speak to you and be like, hey, it's, it's warfare time. There are going to be certain times where God is like, hey, just be with him. There are going to be other times where God's going to be like, hey, this is urgent. Like, go in warfare right now. And when God speaks, do it. But be sensitive to allowing the Holy Spirit within you to give you wisdom to discern which time is what. That's what makes the Holy Spirit in us so powerful is that he is the spirit of wisdom. It allows us to know, like, hey, yo, make a move. Don't make a move. Go. Go hard. Pull back, et cetera. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray with you. Uh, next month, I'm going to talk to you about five truths about anxiety. We dealt with the lies about it. I'm going to deal with five truths about it. But what I want you to know is that you're not alone. The Spirit of God is with you, and there is no temptation taking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, and that he will never let you be tempted above that which you are able. But with every temptation, he has provided a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. What's the way of escape? All three levels. (laughs) So, Father, I just release the spirit of freedom over this place. I thank you for wisdom and for provision that we used to feel like, whoa, 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 there it is. I thank you that this word has been an answer to those who felt helpless. There it is, Holy Spirit. 
I thank you that there have been people who felt like I believe God in every other area except my mental health because I just don't know how to deal with it. I thank you that this word has broken the shame and the chains of helplessness. I thank you that what you were doing as a result of this word is pulling people into a new freedom. You're pulling people into a new power and pulling people into a new level of healing in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen and amen. Yo, how was that? Was that cool? Wow. I really hope, again, that you walked away with something from that that allows you to respond to your anxiety and also to the anxiety of others, okay? I want you to know how to respond to your anxiety and also how to be there for other people in a way that is strategic. And again, this is not a one-size-fits-all equation. Again, situations are going to be different. I implore you to speak to someone who is a mental health expert. I am simply a mental health advocate, but I really do believe that there were some tools in there that'll help you. So I want to, let me pause really quick. I I don't think I do this every episode, but I do want to do this very quickly. Let me just pray uh, because um, a lot of people are experiencing anxiety at high levels. So God, thank you for the person who's listening to this podcast. I thank you for um, their life and their experience and what is on them. And that is your hand and your love and your grace and your compassion. And I pray that as we experience heightened levels of anxiety because of what's going on, that you will stand in the midst of this with us, letting us know that you're carrying us through this and that we do have tools to navigate the things that we are feeling. We give you glory that you are our peace in Jesus name. Amen. I love y'all so much. Listen, if this helped you, please send this to somebody. As a matter of fact, here's what I need you to do for me. Send this to three people who you know either has problems with panic attacks or has problems sleeping. Okay, send this to them and say, hey, listen to this. Let me know if this helps, whatever. And at least start the conversation. Let them know that they're not alone. And then write me. Um, I get Instagram messages and they literally, I'm telling you, y'all, like they literally give me so much life when somebody says, hey, I listened to your podcast and it made me feel this afterwards. Like it blesses me so much. So please keep shooting me messages. You can email me info at princetonparker.com. Continue just walking with me in this as I want to continue walking with you. All right. I love y'all so much. And then of course, uh, rate and subscribe to the podcast. It helps other people find out about what's going on here at building. Keep on building. (laughs) So I love y'all so, so, so much. We will get through this together y'all. All right. With God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, keep building family.